resolutions fail, routines work. You know, most uh, New Year's resolutions are abandoned by January 15th. The way you get things accomplished is you turn it into a habit. Well, in 2009, the University of London did a habit formation study, and they determined it took anywhere from 18 to 254 days to change a habit, and the average was 66 days. Education is valuable, but execution is priceless. Knowledge is not power. Only applied knowledge is power. Welcome to the Happy Healthy Human Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Levitin. What do the happiest, healthiest humans all have in common? They are students of success. And my mission to help both you and I become the happiest, healthiest humans we can be, I have studied success at all levels. And after spending over a decade working in the field of human development and flourishing, I can tell you with certainty, success leaves clues. On this show, I investigate and explore the common clues and foundational principles that tie together success in all areas of life. Whether it's happiness, health, wealth, relationships, it's all a part of the human experience. By following these success clues and understanding the underlying success principles, you will find that success is not simply a possibility, it's guaranteed. Every Tuesday, I give you simple, straightforward action steps and tools using these clues and principles of success to help you become the happiest, healthiest human you can be. Dr. Danny Brazell is a teacher, trainer, coach, public speaker, author, and CEO. He has spoken to over 3,500 audiences worldwide and authored 16 books, including his latest titled Leadership Begins with Motivation. Danny helps entrepreneurs, executives, and small business owners boost their business and impact by improving their communication skills. He is also the CEO of CyberSmarties USA, a social media platform that ensures students' positive well-being. Danny is passionate about learning and leadership. He teaches students, parents, and teachers how to get more excited about reading and education, and he coaches leaders and executives on how to inspire others to change and grow. This episode is inspirational, motivational, and packed full of real-world advice and action steps. So enjoy this conversation with Dr. Danny Brazell. What is your mission? Well, thanks, first of all, for having me, Paul. I love your mission. You're really spreading a lot of joy around the world and serving a lot of people. And my mission is to bring joy back into education in the workplace. I do that in four different ways. First of all, I speak over 100 days all around the world, primarily to schools and parent groups, but also to corporations, nonprofit groups, and government organizations uh, trying to re-energize their workforce. Second of all, I've got the world's top reading engagement program online, which in just over two months shows parents how to get their kids to read more, read better, and most importantly, to love reading. Because I find that schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is, well, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game, and I never want to have to tell a kid, go read. I want them to choose to do it on their own because they love it. And there are simple strategies I share with audiences on how to accomplish that. Third, 
I uh, work with entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on how to create powerful presentations that get their audience to take the next step, whether that's to uh, purchase their product or to donate to their cause or even to invest in their idea. And then finally, I'm the North American CEO of a company called CyberSmarties, which was founded in 2015 by Dermot Hudner in Ireland. It's basically a social media platform for kids ages 5 to 12 that teaches kids how to use social media in a safe, positive way uh, while helping out their emotional well-being. So the way it would work is if you typed in a message to me saying, uh, Danny, I think you're fat and ugly. Well, it wouldn't let you send the message. Instead, it says, that's not a nice thing to say to Danny. And it gives you ideas of what you could send. And it frustrates kids so much that it takes them so much time that within three days, the research shows that kids stop sending negative messages altogether. And the program is responsible for almost completely eliminating cyberbullying in Ireland. Uh, it's endorsed by the Irish National Police. It's the only social media platform that has that kind of endorsement. It was recently endorsed by the New Zealand National Police Force. We're in New Zealand now and in India, Turkey, and I'm in charge of North America. So it's a very long answer to a short question, Paul. Thank you. There's a wide breadth of different experiences that you've had as a professional from working with students to working with parents to working with teachers, now executives, apps, all over the board with this. So I'm curious, what are one or two of the common threads of success that you've seen that tie all of these different areas together in terms of student success, teacher success, and now executive success? Well, this is what I love about your podcast, Paul, is that uh, you have people that are interested in their success and people that are interested in success, they do a couple of things. First of all, they do the work. How many people are wasting their time rather than improving themselves by reading books, by listening to podcasts, by surrounding themselves by people that lift them up? And second of all, successful people never give up. You know, it drives me nuts when I see people give up because I'm like, gosh, you're so close and it's never a failure until you actually stop trying. So those are the, I mean, I know that's basic, but it, it, it is true that you need to do the work. I mean, one of my mentors was a guy named Jim Rohn and Jim used to say, you can't pay other people to do your pushups. You know, successful people, we love to look at them in their successful light, but we don't see behind the scenes all of the work that they're putting into it. I, you show me a successful person, I'll show you a hard worker who's never given up. It can seem overly simplistic in that regard, but it's the fact. The very simple formula for success is do the work, don't stop. No matter what you're trying to be successful in, whether it's building a business, building a healthier body, building a better relationship. It really is as long and as short as that. I actually teach a course called How to Quit Quitting, and it's basically based on this entire concept. If you can just not quit on yourself, because everyone has had the experience of starting, starting a diet, starting a business, starting a workout plan, starting to go to therapy, starting to meditate, but very few are the ones who follow through long enough to get to the result. And that in my experience, is the differentiator between what makes us get to the end goal, the finish line, and, and what doesn't is simply, do we give up on ourselves beforehand? And I know that this is something that you talk a lot about, and I'm curious, I know your new book is called Leadership Begins with Motivation. So can you tell me why you chose that as the name for your book and you know one or two of the main messages that you're trying to get out there to people? 
Well, thank you for that, Paul. I, first of all, I love the name of your course, Quitting Quitting. I, I think that's fantastic. And, you know, you, you reveal to your audience another secret of successful people is uh, they should enroll in your course. If you don't know something, what you do is you hire an expert to teach you. It's the truth. Last year on December 15th, I finally made a decision uh, to hire a nutritionist. I hired this wonderful uh, doctor, Dr. Ethan Lazarus, and I told him on our first session, like, oh, Dr. Lazarus, you're going to bring me back from the dead. And he changed my mindset. I, I was all about losing weight. He says, stop being about losing weight. Start being about gaining years. Well, that was kind of interesting. And he made me accountable. So every couple of weeks I had to see him and I'd always call it my fat tax having to pay to visit him. He's like, it's not a fat tax. It's an investment. And after one year, we just had our one year checkup and uh, I've lost 40 pounds. And he said, so let's look at this. You've made 15% return on your investment. Well, that's why I hired him was he knows how to make my mind better about becoming fitter and healthier and living a better lifestyle. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, my my uh, toilet got clogged and my wife asked me to fix the toilet and I called the plumber and he fixed the toilet. And she's like, I didn't tell you to call a plumber. I told you to fix the toilet. And I said, I did fix the toilet. I hired an expert. She's like, you paid a lot of money for him. I'm like, people pay a lot of money for me to speak or to coach them because that's what I'm really good at. He's really good at fixing toilets. I would have wasted a lot of time. It would have given me a headache. It would have driven me crazy. And I probably wouldn't have done as good of a job. So that's why people need to invest in your quick quitting course, because you know what you're talking about. Uh, and so I went off on that tangent and I'm kind of forgetting the question that you asked me. Can you <laughs> repeat it, Paul? Well, one, I, I just, I, I really do enjoy that point as well. I, I obviously believe in the power of investing in ourselves and there's something to be said about, as, as you said, finding an expert. I use that analogy all the time of, of a plumber or a, a mechanic. You know, when people, when it comes to especially things like motivation, like changing our body, like changing our habits, we always think like, well, because it's about me, I can do it on my own or I should be able to do it on my own. But why wouldn't you want someone helping you, guiding you, someone who this is their entire job, their entire life, their entire career. But to uh, go back to my, my question was about your your new book, uh, Leadership Begins with Motivation. The book, yeah. I wanted you to expand <laughs> a little bit um, about the, the title and, and why to start there specifically because I'm interested to, if this gives you a little bit more understanding of what I'm getting at. One, I want, I would love to know what you consider to be the definition of a leader and why you think that starting with motivation is the place that we need to, to start. Well, I love that. So uh, here, here's my endorsement of the book. Thanks for pitching the book. So leadership begins with motivation. I wrote it because when I was a middle, I've taught all age level levels from kindergartners all the way up to rocket sciences. And uh, when I was a middle school teacher, I was the only teacher in my school who never had any students tardy to class. And the reason was because I always started class by reading aloud a Paul Harvey story to the class. Now, you're younger than me. When I was growing up, Paul Harvey used to be on the radio every single day at 1215. He'd say, uh, I'm Paul Harvey with the rest of the story. And he'd tell you this story for about five minutes and you're trying to figure out, well, who's he talking about or what's the company he's talking about? And my, my students just love trying to guess who it was all about. The problem with Paul Harvey is a lot of his stories are about companies and people like Sears Roebuck. Well, today kids don't know who Sears Roebuck 
are or what their significance is. And so I decided I needed to create an updated version. And so this is my homage to Paul Harvey. Uh, it's short little um, uh, motivational stories to, to inspire the kids. This is a, a critical point I tell people. I, I don't believe I can motivate another human being. I can only inspire them to motivate themselves. I'm a big believer in when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Uh, true motivation has to come from within. And it's kind of like listening to your podcast, Paul. The way you, you start to succeed, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, I always tell people uh, resolutions fail, routines work. You know, most uh, New Year's resolutions are abandoned by January 15th. The way you get things accomplished is you turn it into a habit. The easiest way to do that usually is a concept known as habit stacking. Uh, Charles Duhigg talks a lot about this in his wonderful book, The Power of Habits. James Clear kind of stole a lot of those ideas and put some in Atomic Habits. Uh, so I like to actually go right back to the source, which was Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit, which is based on really solid research on habit formation. And so the easiest way to form a habit, so I'll just give you an example this past year of my nutrition. Every morning, I start my day, I go to the bathroom, I brush my teeth, and then I do 100 push-ups and 100 crunchies every single day. And I've done that consistently. And so now it's so stuck in my head that I can't abandon it because I'm used to it. It's the same thing with on my, my iPhone. It gives me a green dot every day that I do 10,000 steps. Well, if I don't do the 10,000 steps, I get a blue dot. And I don't like the blue dot. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld talked about this with joke writing. For 20 years, every day he writes jokes, he puts an X on the date on the calendar. And he doesn't like having the X is disconnected. And so it's become consistent. So it, it's really nothing that anybody that's listening to your podcast cannot do. Uh, but uh, the mistake I see a lot of people do is they try and do 50 things overnight. I'm like, well, that's not going to work. You need to, you, and habit stacking is you take something that you're already used to. So for example, exercising, I ride my bike in my basement uh, every day. And so what I did for the habit is uh, there's certain TV shows that I love. And so I made the habit that I can only watch those TV shows when I'm riding the bike. And so now it's also given me an incentive to ride the bike because I want to watch the show. Very simple. It's very simple psychology. I mean, um, I talk about this in my, my reading program for parents. It takes the two numbers I tell the parents are 67 and 20. So the first number, 67. A lot of people tell you it takes 21 days to change a habit. And to those people, I say, show me the research on that. It's a completely fabricated number. I know exactly where the number comes from, by the way. It's from a wonderful book everybody should read, written in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz called Psycho-Cybernetics. Dr. Maltz was a, a plastic surgeon. And in the preface of the book, he, he observed that it took most of his patients about 21 days to get used to their new faces. Well, a lot of personal development, self-help people, a lot of people I respect, by the way, started telling people it takes 21 days to change a habit. That number is based on no research whatsoever. Well, in 2009, the University of London did a habit formation study, and they determined it took anywhere from 18 to 254 days to change a habit, and the average was 66 days. Well, I don't like the number 66, so I threw in a bonus day, 67 days. Uh, and it depends on the type of habit you're trying to change. So for example, if you're trying to drink a glass of water before breakfast, that might take 18 days to form that habit. 
But if you're trying to quit smoking, that's going to take 254 days. And here's why this is critical for the audience to listen to. Let's say you go on a diet, you follow it religiously for 21 days, but then you fall off the wagon on day 22. Well, you blame yourself. That's, that's bogus because the research shows on average, it takes at least three times longer to form a habit. And so the basis of my reading program is we're going to teach you how to get the kids reading within 67 days, just over two months. Now, the next number I always tell people is 20. So researchers for reading were looking at uh, successful habits of uh, students that are, are succeeding in school all around the world, and they stumbled upon something which blew them away. It was the number of minutes spent reading outside of school. So they looked at the low kids, the average kids, and the high kids. Well, the low kids average less, the low kids, we're saying like the, the 20th percentile, bottom of the class, F students, they average less than a minute a day reading outside of school. Well, that didn't surprise anybody. It's probably why they're at the bottom of the class. But the next number did startle the researchers. The kids in the middle of the class, the 70th percentile, C students, average students, they average 9.6 minutes a day reading outside of school. And so if I'm doing a live training with parents, this is usually when the first hand raises and a parent says, well, wait a sec, are you saying if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes a day at home, I can take them from a, an F to a C? That's exactly what I'm saying. There's actually a lot of research to support this, but the final number really blew away the researchers. The kids near the top of the class, 90th percentile, A minus students, some of your best students, do they spend three hours a day reading outside of school on average? No. Do they spend an hour a day reading outside of school? No. The average is just over 20 minutes a day. My entire program is showing parents how to find those 20 minutes. And there's two things that I love to show to people is, first of all, the minutes don't have to be consecutive. So you can do a minute here, three minutes here, five minutes there. And second of all, being read aloud to is just as effective as reading on your own. This is important because I work with a lot of CEOs. A lot of people don't know this. Over half of the Fortune 500 CEOs are dyslexic. Well, people don't know this. Dyslexics, just so you know, every reading disability is curable, but dyslexics tend to process information better with their ears. And so that's one of the easiest strategies I share with uh, dyslexic students is, hey, we'll just listen to audible books. It's just as effective. Reading aloud is very, I mean, there is a lot of research to support this. So again, that's a very long answer to a, uh, a short question uh, dealing with why did I choose the, the title Leadership Begins with Motivation. Uh, and motivation begins with you. It, it's something that I can't give you. You have to find that, uh, uh, you know, you kind of have to get fed up. You got to get angry at yourself. Uh, and finally, last, last year, I got angry with myself. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I've been trying to lose this weight for a long time and it's just not working. I need to get an expert to help show me how to do it right. So a lot, a lot there in the, those last couple of minutes, I, I do appreciate everything that you just said. Now, honestly, especially, so one, I mean, everything you talked about, all the different books, Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg, Atomic Habits, James Clear, Psycho-Cybernetics, these are all monumental books in my own personal development. These are, I, I consider these all necessary for every human. Like I have a list of all books, books that I think every human should read and the human race would be better if, if everyone read these books and these are all on them. Amen. And, uh, <laughs> and, but you know, what's interesting to me is that the last bit you were talking about, you know, um, the, the, those percentages with students, right. That the average student, uh, the below average student, uh, reads less than a minute to be average. It only takes 10 minutes to be above average 20 minutes. And it can be, you know, even an audible book or something like that. And when I'm hearing this, my head again, automatically goes to 
that's not unique to students. It's not unique to children and it's not unique to reading, meaning I'm automatically going to exercise the average person who is below average at this point, right? Because we, we know that the, the average in America is actually to be overweight and to have lifestyle diseases probably does literally mm. nothing. And that's why, you know, to, to, what the doctor recommended level of activity is, is I think something like 120 minutes per week of moderate to low intensity movement where your heart rate is slightly elevated. So just to get that, and that's what's going to get you the most of the results. It's not going to the gym and being some two hour a, a day hardo or something like that. It's, it's just, it's the bare minimum. And then to be above that, you don't have to do anything crazy. Like you said, a hundred pushups a day, which might sound to someone who's not exercising at all, like a lot, and it could be. So maybe you could do a hundred squats. And like you said, it doesn't all have to be together. I tell my clients this all the time. It's like set a number, say that's a hundred, a hundred body weight squats for the day. From the time you go, wake up in the morning to the time you go to sleep, if you did that every day, that's 36,000 squats a year. I guarantee that would make a difference. Yeah. What I loved about that, Paul, what you just said is because if you have to do the 100 squats, I mean, yeah, it's tough, especially when you're starting to do 100 mm -hmm. squats. So start by doing 10 in the morning and then right. at your mid-morning coffee break, do another 10 and then maybe 20 here. I mean, that's how you do it is implement it throughout the day. Exactly. You know, as they say, how do you how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And when you're looking at it at like this huge monumental task, it becomes too much. And that's when we talk ourselves out of it before we even start. Right. When you pick up a book and you look at page 600, you're like, oh, my gosh, a 600 page book. That's I'm never going to do that. But a, pa a book gets read one page at a time, one word at a time. And if you take it like that, all of a sudden, eventually you'll get through it. So that that's, it, it's very interesting that as you're saying this, it's like, while you're talking to parents and schools about, you know, helping kids read better, these are the same tools and tactics that we need everywhere in our life for whatever habit, as you said, habits are habits. And I, I also would like the point you made about the, the different time time frames for habits. There's an example I use all the time. People like to talk 21 days for a habit, 66 days for a habit, 30 days. They're all based on whatever research study that was what that was done. And they all have some validity because as you said, different things take different amount of times to become habitualized. Ask someone who smoked a cigarette for the first time and never stopped if it took them 21 days to build a habit. Probably not, right? So there, there, mm -hmm. there, there are ways to do it. And, and as you said, on 66 day, the 67th day, it's not like everything changes. It's just, you, you, you have to keep going. It's that taking action. So these are all mindset shifts that, that we, that we have to go through that we like, we think that it's one way and then we are learning, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's not exactly what I thought it was. I thought that if I just did this thing for 21 days on the 22nd day, everything would be easier. Or as you said before, when you started working with your dietitian, you thought it was all about, okay, weight loss, but he gave you a reframe of how to see things differently and say, okay, it's actually about prolonged life. It's not about the money that you're paying for this tax. It's about the investment that you're making in yourself. So I'm curious if you've had any other reframes like that in your personal or professional life where you're looking at things differently and then through simply changing how you looked at it, it changed the whole reality of the situation. You know, so this is going to be embarrassing, but uh, reading, that's basically, I grew up hating reading. My father was a, a librarian. I always hated the public library. It always smelled funny. The furniture was uncomfortable. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There's always a 
a freaky homeless guy thought he was vampire a vampire hanging out by the book stacks. I always hated the library. One of the one of the happiest days of my life, besides my wedding day, was when I got my PhD. My wife looked at me and she said, Why are you so happy? I'm like, because from now on, I get to read the books I want to read. And I think that's the problem in school. I mean, uh, you and I have the exact the same interest in like the books that we're talking about. I'm like, yeah, I don't understand why we aren't teaching these books. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, my English teacher made us read The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. And no offense to people that love The Scarlet Letter. The book is about Hester Prynne. She commits adultery, so she has to wear an A on her chest. And I remember raising my hand in class, asking if I could wear a B on my chest because it was the most boring book I'd ever read in my life. And it got me to hate reading. But you give me books like I'll read anything by John Maxwell and I devoured. I go through it like in a sec. I mean, man, the guy gives leadership stories that are fantastic. I mean, Jack Canfield, The Success Principles. I mean, when I read that book. I called up my coach at the time and I'm like, man, I just read Canfield's The Success Principles. I mean, he's got a $25,000 coaching program in a $20 book. The stories are amazing. The teaching points are right on. I would have paid 20 bucks just for the bibliography to that book. It's an incredible book. And they don't even have to be the newer books. You know, Psycho Cybernetics is from the 60s. But I mean, look at everybody talks about Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Well, there's a reason people like that. It's a fantastic book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I mean, the book was written in what, the 40s or 50s. It's still just as applicable to today. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking. These are short books, by the way. These are like 200 pages. That's where my mindset changed was when I actually finally had an opportunity to read for me and this is where I find schools completely not serving their students right now. I mean, and I'm not putting down literature. I think literature is important. I don't know how practical it is, though, in the in, in the world. All the, I mean, I, I say this to math teachers all the time. I'm like, we teach kids calculus, but we don't teach them how to balance a checkbook. I'm not putting down calculus. I think it's great. But I think it's important to know how to balance a checkbook. I think it's important to read you know, Charles Dickens and William Shakespeare. But I think it's also important to understand how to read technical manuals and how to read personal development and how to create goals and things like that. And so that's where I think we're falling short. And I'm not, I'm not trying to offend anybody by that. I'm like, let's have the, this is the problem in America right now is people don't have discussions. I think it's great when people disagree with me. It's great. You want to surround yourself with people that have different ideas I mean, this is how I get better is I, I learn from people like you, Paul, where I'm, oh, wow, this guy, he's got that healthy mindset. I need to surround myself with people like this. If you're surrounding yourself with people that like to drink all the time, well, you're probably going to drink. I used to say this from day one with my students. I, I'd ask I'd ask my kids, I'm like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like, oh, I want to be a... I want to be president of the United States. I'm like, okay, are you, are you surrounding yourself with presidents of the United States? Because you usually turn out like the people you hang out with. And I say that from day one. I'm like, hey, you hang out with a bunch of soccer players, likelihood is you're going to start playing soccer. You hang out with a bunch of smokers, likelihood is you're going to start smoking. You hang out with a bunch of people with purple mohawks, dressed in black, who listen to the cure and think school stinks. Well, you're probably going to do the exact same thing. You start to mirror the people you're around. That's why I, I love your audience, Paul. These are the people I want to be around. These are people that want to, to do great things. They want to be better. I mean, I'm not I'm not on a podcast talking about what we watched last night on Everybody Loves Raymond. And it's not going to serve me. I have an uncle who watches the news 24 hours a day. And I asked him recently, I'm like, oh, has President Biden consulted with you? 
He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, you're so informed. I thought the president would call you. I'm like, all this is doing is making you angry all the time. Stop it. Watch comedies. Stop watching the news. It's just going to put you, make, I can tell you what's on the news tonight. The world is coming to an end and whoever our political leaders are, are doing a bad job. It's been the same negative news for the last hundred years. You know, surround your, listen to a positive podcast, surround yourself with people that lift you up. I'm sorry, Paul, I'll get off the soapbox right now. No, it's all good. I mean, it's it's all the truth. We we are the sum of the people we spend the most time with. And again, studies have shown this, that if your best friend is obese, you are higher probability of being obese. If your best friend is fit, you are higher chance of being fit. Same for your spouse, same for your family. If you come from a family of people who are heavily overweight or people who drink, there's more chance of you doing that. And yes, part of that is genetic, but a lot of that is just through simple environment. It's harder to get away from that if it's what's surrounding you all the time. So as they say, you know, friends are the family you choose. Well, the media that you surround yourself with, who do you follow on social media? What do you listen to on your podcast? What TV shows are you watching? That becomes the environment that you create for yourself. And I think the important point that you made there is that this stuff isn't taught. And, and, and part of that is because we're in a, we're in a revolutionary time. The technology that exists right now didn't even exist when I was in school, let alone when you were in school. So there is, there is a learning curve that comes with all of this, but I was the exact same way. I didn't read a single book from the time I was, I think 15 or 16 to almost 30. I just did. I didn't read through college. I didn't read through high school, even books I was assigned. I didn't read. And then I discovered personal development. I was like, oh, okay. Now I understand what the point of like, like I, I didn't make sense to me before. It was like, why would I read a book when I could watch TV? Like that, does, that just doesn't make sense to me. Like nothing, nothing in a fantasy book is better than Game of Thrones uh, on the TV. And they have the book, but I was like, I'll just watch it. But then I read, I read books like Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I'm like, okay, like this makes sense to me. Like th- this, I can get, I can get behind reading because there's something in here that I'm not finding anywhere else. So that was the, that was the the game changer for me. But as you mentioned, like we don't learn in school some of these skills like how to read something like this. Like we learn how to read, but not how to maybe extract. And at a quote that I heard you say that education is valuable, but execution is priceless. And I'm curious what you meant by that and how we can start to be better at both sides of that equation. Yeah, that's thank you for that, uh, Paul. So I, I've taught all age levels, and whether I'm teaching my my younger, my little ones or my older ones, they always have to hear the same refrain as they exit class for the day. I always remind them. I'm like, remember, kids, education is valuable, but execution is priceless. Knowledge is not power. Only applied knowledge is power. Knowing what the right thing to do and doing the right thing are two very different things. Go out do the right thing and let's make this world a better place. I mean, I've got plenty of friends that have these fancy degrees. They're very educated. You know, they're also broke. They haven't done anything. (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't judge anybody based on their education level. I also have friends that dropped out of high school who are multimillionaires who who, like you, Paul, devour anything in the personal development field. I mean, I'll, I'll read a, if somebody had given me a Malcolm Gladwell book in high school, I would have read that in like two hours because the guy knows how to tell a story. And I'm like, oh, how can I apply this to my life? This is why I love being in masterminds. I mean, people can call them whatever they want. You know, I think mastermind, the term comes from Napoleon Hill, but, uh, you you know, people have different, I used to have a coach and she just called them uh, idea shares, but you get a, a diverse group of people together and 
what's great is you listen to how they're running their businesses and their successes and you figure out how you can apply it in your world. I mean, one of the first masterminds I was in, I was shocked because by the afternoon I'm at a table. Here I am, a former elementary school teacher, and I'm at a table with eight billionaires. And I'm like, oh, I'm at the wrong table. And they all said, no, stay here, Danny. You think differently than us and you give some really crazy ideas, but you also give some real gems. And that was a teaching point for me. I'm like, huh, that's true. Like, I, what can I, you know, I I, I was coaching a, um, a fitness instructor the other day and I was just listening to how she runs her gyms. And I'm like, oh, I can apply this in my business this way. I was working with a financial planner last week and he had, I was like, wow, that's an interesting way of doing these. And I'm like, I never thought of it that way, but that's what you're, you're doing is you're kind I mean, a lot of it is just kind of, what can I steal? I don't call it stealing, but I'm like, oh, what great ideas can I, I call it liberating from other people. I'm not stealing it. I'm liberating it because I can expose it to my, my, uh, my audience. So uh, that's, that's how you get a lot better. I mean, you and I sound exactly right on our path, too, is it took us a little bit later to figure it out. I'm like, oh, I can do this on my own. I don't let uh, Mark Twain said that he said, don't let school get in the way of your education. And I'm like, I, I, truer words were never spoken. I love all these same people. John Maxwell is one of my favorite. And one of his quotes that I've liberated for myself that I use a lot uh, is it, it's it's the start that stops most people. And so many people, they, 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 they look at something like reading as an insurmountable task because it's like, well, I've never done that before. And there's a trillion books out there and books are so big, so long and same thing with exercise, same thing with building a business. So what advice do you have for people who maybe are starting, as you said, like you or I did a little bit later when it comes to building these either healthy habits for their body, healthy habits for their mind, healthy habits for their, their business and their finances? How do you get started when you're in your 30s or your 40s? And that hasn't been the story up until now. Well, your story's still being written is what I'll say. I mean, you and I just gave personal examples. We, we didn't become readers until we were in our 30s. Uh, you know, there's a great poem by uh, British poet Christopher Lowe. He says, uh, come to the edge. It's too high. Come to the edge. We might fall. Come to the edge. And they came and he pushed and they flew. I used to say this to my students. Sometimes you need somebody else to believe in you before you believe in yourself. I believe in all of you. They only give me the best and the brightest. Now let's go out and make this world a better place. I mean, this is why you, you they need to hire you as a coach, Paul. I'm like, this is a person that can help me fly. Uh, I, I want to be around people that believe in We're We're in such a pessimistic society. Uh, uh, Eisenhower, president, when he was a general, he had a quote I loved. He said, Pessimism never won any battle. And it's exactly right. I want to be around the people that are believers. You know, uh, we've gone through just in my lifetime, I've missed so many things. And I'm not going to miss this net, this latest one. So I missed it when the internet came out. I'm like, I missed being one of those early people that was able to figure out how to change the world with the internet. I missed it when social media came out. I mean, this is a totally different world because of social media. I miss that one. Well, I'm not going to miss the, the, the latest one is artificial intelligence. And I'm, I'm learning everything I can about artificial intelligence. Cause I'm like, if you're not learning about it, you are going to be left behind. This is, this is a total game changer. Again, that's fascinating. I mean, I 
I lived in a world when I graduated from high school, my parents for my graduation gift gave me an electric typewriter. By the time I graduated, there were computers at our campus uh, and people and I mean, I remember when a person taught me how to create an email, whereas my own children, when they were like three years old, they learned more about tech. They understood technology better than I did because I was in this old mindset. I'm like an old guy. And I'm like, wow, I need to catch up to this. You know, Tony Robbins says that. He says, happiness is progress. Well, if you're not learning, you're slowly dying. You need to learn every single day. That's why I make it a, you know, I do my walks. I, I call them thought walks three times a day. While I'm doing those thought walks, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm like, okay, I need people that are pumping me up, getting me to think a little bit differently. I'm, you know, I like you. I read sporadically. I, I don't read. You know, I, I love I love reading biographies, but they drive me crazy. I, you know, it's like chapter one, page one; chapter two, page one hundred and fifteen. I'm like, ugh. You know, John Grisham. The reason he's such a popular author is because. You know, you're on page 180, but it's already chapter 97 because every chapter is like four pages long. And it's he's smart about it because it gets you turning pages because you're like, it's 10 o'clock at night, you're in bed, and then the chapter ends, and then he found the knife. And you're like, well, the next chapter is only four pages. I'll read another chapter, and pr pretty soon it's two in the morning. You just read the entire book. That's what, when I read John Maxwell, and he's a great speaker, by the way, he's one of my favorite speakers, or or Zig Ziglar. Zig, Zig is one of my favorites. I mean, like, uh, he, he just has gems and everything he's saying, but these are people that are inspiring. Les Brown, wonderful speaker. But, uh, I mean, I'm turning pages because I'm like, oh, can you give me more? Can you give me more? And, I mean, I read books with the intention now. I'm like, hey, if this book gives me one idea, it was worth my time. It was worth the money. I mean, I, I read a book the other day. It was a horrible book, but it gave one story, one story. And I'm like, oh, totally worth my time. It was about, it was about this uh, marketing guy going around the world trying to figure out the next thing he could make a lot of money off of. So he's in, uh, he's in Chile and he's watching the fishermen fish and they're catching a fish, but then they're eating this other type of fish. And he's like, why do you eat the other type of fish? Is it because you can't eat the fish that you catch? Like, actually, we catch these fish, but this fish that we eat is much better. And he's like, oh, can I try it? And so he tries it. Oh, my God, this is great. And he's like, what's it called? And they're like, oh, it's called the toothfish. He's like, the toothfish? That's the worst name I've ever heard in my life. But it gave him an idea. And so he started serving the fish in New York restaurants, but he just changed the name to the Chilean sea bass. And I was like, I love that story. That's great. That's a marketing gem. It was worth my time to read. And I'll, it's all the time. I'm all in my wife. She, she drives her crazy. I watch sports all the time. She's like, why do you watch sports? I'm like, cause I'm looking for those stories. There's always something inspiration. That's so why I'm not interested in politics. I'm not inspired by most politicians. I'm inspired by everyday people that do amazing things that are part of the solution, not part of the problem. <laughs> that's what I'm all about too. Again, that's the whole point of this podcast is to find those little golden nuggets, those little threads of wisdom that sometimes other people don't see. Or again, it's in a story about marketing, but it's actually about health or it's a story about health, but it's actually about business or it's about relationships, about how to be a better parent. And all of this stuff, when you as as they say, peel the onion, peel the layers back. It's the same stuff. The 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 stuff of success is is the same across 
all areas of life. And that's the thing that I want people to take away from this. So the last question I have for you, Danny, is the same question that I ask all of my guests, which is if you had one action step that you could leave listeners with right now, as soon as this episode ends, as soon as they take their headphones out to start living a happier, healthier life, what would it be? Yeah. So the action step would be, so it's my word for 2024, which is to simplify, you know, everybody thinks they have to be on everything on social media. They have to do, no, 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 no. Figure out one and let's master it. Same thing. This is basically, I learned this from my nutritionist, Dr. Lazarus. He's like, stop trying to do 50 things. Do one. He's like, walk, take a walk every day. You said it 100, 120 minutes a week. You get, and then, then you, you start doing it. You're like, I can do better than that. You start doing a little bit more. He changed one of my habits because I like, I, I drink. I hate it. It's a horrible habit. And uh, he's like, Danny, you can drink your bourbon, but instead of having four glasses, have three. Well, nobody had ever said that to me. You can't quit cold turkey. That's, a, that's not how a habit's formed. And so I've gone from four to three. Now I'm at two. Pretty soon I can get to one. Maybe maybe eventually I won't do it at all, or maybe it'll just be a, a special occasion. But that's how you do things. You simplify. We are our own worst critics. That worst, the most discouraging voice I ever hear is the one inside my own head. You got to get rid of that. You can, you can talk to yourself, but you need to start rephrasing things and be a little bit more positive for yourself. And that's why I listen to your podcast like this, Paul, because it's it's getting me in a different mindset. I'm like, okay, these are people that are part of the solution. I like it because you're looking at the full human. When I'm teaching people how to create presentations, I say, well, you have to understand that most humans have one or all of three motivations. They want to make more income. They want to have greater freedom and they want to have greater impact. And if you can address one or all of those, you're going to reach a, a broader audience. And that's what this this podcast, you know, there's financial tips, but there's also tips about health. There's tips about how do I get my mind in a better place, which is more necessary now than ever. We still have no idea how much the pandemic screwed people's minds up, uh, you know, so that's why I'm really intentional about turn off the TV news and let, let me think about positive things. Let me let me listen to inspiring stories about people who have gone out and done it. Let me hear about their trials and tribulations and how, you know, they just kept on pushing. So uh, yeah, that's again, another long answer, but the word would be simplify. That's the action. Uh, and then also uh, as a thank you to you and your audience for, for listening to me today, Paul, I wanted to give everybody a couple of goodies. So if you go to freegiftfromdanny.com, and I know you'll have it in the show notes, freegiftfromdanny.com, I'm going to give everybody a complimentary e-copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed, which is a book I wrote for an elementary school principal who was trying to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation, demonstrates the same concept. You can read that in five minutes. I'm also going to give everybody access to a five-day reading challenge I did last summer for about 700 parents online around the world, where every day for a week, for an hour, I give you all kinds of strategies on how to get your kids excited about reading. And like you said, this would apply to most adults too, because the more excited you are to read, the more likely you are to read. 
And the more you read, the better you get. I guarantee you, all of your listeners, you and I didn't go out thinking that Napoleon Hill was going to be great. But what that did is that was an appetizer, wet our appetite. And then all of a sudden we started reading these behavioral economic books by the Bronfmans and Gladwell and by uh, Charles Duhigg. And all of a sudden it became a positive addiction. Most people have negative addictions. Uh, Personal development, wonderful addiction. Couldn't have said it better myself, so I won't even try. Keep it simple, right? That's that's the that's the end all be all of anything. Thank you so much, Danny. And definitely we'll have a link for that in the show notes for all those freebies and giveaways. I, I can't wait to dig into all of that myself. I think I, that idea of having the kids version of the adult books to to get the same lessons out out of it i think is i think is actually awesome you know there's those little books like uh who moved the cheese and like uh some of these smaller little parable books that that are just as powerful for adults as they are for children aside from your website if people want to connect with you on social media or anything like that where's the place that you're that you uh, are most active or where people can reach out to you I'm all over the place. They can go to my website at uh, com. Amazing, Danny. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this conversation. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or got value from it, you can support the show by sharing it with a friend and giving them the gift of a happier, healthier life. You can also leave a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That helps boost the show on those platforms so more people can discover it and we can all grow together. I'll see you back here every Tuesday and Thursday morning. And until then, stay happy, stay healthy.